Welcome to Your Untamed Life, the podcast bringing you stories of transformation, growth, fear, success, alignment, challenges, and more, with the intention to inspire you and light you up to find your unaligned path of transformation and let it unfold in front of you without letting fear hold you back. I'm Amanda Petra, your host and passionate human being. Without further ado, let's get started. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Hello, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Elliot Rose. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I love it. Do you want to, I'm really excited to like stick with your pen name because we keep the mystery alive, but do you want to intro your real name at all? Um, we can do. I don't mind. It's no big secret. It's just, um, <laughs> it's just much, m- much in the world of authorship. It's when you write in really different genres, mm. it's, often really helpful for your I guess like community or readership base to not sort of lump everything all together because especially when they're like vastly different and heaps of people do it especially if they write across you know like myself fiction non-fiction um you've got people who will write like children's books and they'll also write like adult you know novels and things so that it you would be amazed at how many people have got multiple multiple different pen names going on that they kind of have all simultaneously so yes I write under Elliot Rose is my pen name and that's where you can find me um writing my paranormal romance spicy paranormal romance dark fantasy romance series um I also have non-fiction work that I publish under Rose Totally which some of you who are in this podcast space might may know, might know me from a lot of that work and um the work I do within that space is kind of about soulpreneurship spiritual entrepreneurship you know following your soul calling things like that which ironically was the big catalyst towards me myself embodying what I taught <laughs> and moving into writing fiction and under my Elliot Rose pen name which is primarily where I am in this season of life and focusing um so yeah it's a lot of fun that's really cool oh okay good I'm glad you unfolded that because I needed to hear that because I knew you as Rose Tatori and then but then I didn't know that you wrote under that name as well I just thought you were in business and then you saw I saw the Nocturnal Heart series coming out and it like changed my life <laughs> so you're my favorite author in like you just introduced me to this whole world I was like holy shit and your writing is just beautiful and Oh, so captivating yeah thank you yeah it's been a lot of fun and it's um so I'm coming up to sort of at the time we're recording this I'm coming up to pretty much my you know first anniversary of when I was actually f- like fully writing under the Elliot Rose pen name um I'd sort of been dabbling in it beforehand but I was still very much um I was still in the throes of publishing uh my book Soulpreneur under my Rose Toshi pen name mm-hmm. um so yeah I was kind of on the side writing fiction and I was publishing non-fiction and then once I kind of um I think that published in August last year 2022 um so yeah once I once I published that that was when I um stepped fully into writing fiction as my full focus um and so yeah my first book under my Elliot Rose pen name came out in November 2022 so it's kind of we're we're hurtling towards one year anniversary of Elliot Rose Nocturnal Hearts world um and it's been such a fun ride so much fun to get into it and as you say it's um I've been amazed at how many people have reached out and just said how much they've loved 
getting back into reading fiction because I think especially when we are our own businesses or you know um entrepreneurs in whatever shape or form or following our soul calling in whatever shape or form uh we get very consumed with doing all the things and you know the self-development and the you know inner work and things like that and um taking the time to actually just read something for pleasure which I know is what you and I have kind of talked about a little bit of just taking that time to read something for fun and then realizing how good that actually is for us at times to do that (laughs) for your soul really yeah yeah I always found reading yeah I'm always reading business books and inner work books and then you just end up like I'm taking notes or like I'm pausing to like freaking write something for my business (laughs) (laughs) and then Mm -hmm. why am I even reading like it's not relaxing at all so yeah that's always when I refer to your books I'm like I'm spinning my wheels this isn't there's no point I'm reading I'm gonna go read some fiction um (laughs) it's interesting that 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 must be like your book Soulpreneur is like exactly stuff I love to read I know by the sounds of it by what you are and what you do and what you embody but it's funny it hasn't found me like I feel like always books always find me I never pick books that just kind of come when you need them type thing it's just interesting yeah. it hasn't found me because it's like no you don't need that you need need fiction right now <laughs> yeah yeah you need to be you need to be in the fiction world yeah. yeah it is really interesting and you're so right books do find you in the moment that it's right for you and also like not every book is for everyone I think that's always the thing that I like the mantra I kind of live by is that you know I trust that my books are going to end up in the hands of the right readers and the right people and that there might be people who kind of maybe right now it's not the right timing for them to pick it up and read it or um, just generally like the genre I write in isn't going to be their cup of tea and that's totally okay as well because I mean I'm writing like super spicy paranormal dark fantasy romance you know like not everybody is necessarily desiring that sort of world building or character building um, for their kind of indulgence you know they're they're just being able to switch off and disappear off into something that is that you know world of characters and stories and you know in in my case like the the happily ever after is the big thing you know for me and but it comes with a journey right and there's all sorts of romance that you can read out there that is right from the sort of very sweet and um cozy you know right through to the (laughs) gut-wrenching like there's a huge spectrum wow (laughs) yeah that's fascinating um I don't even know if I could change I like this like middle ground that we're at with your books (laughs) yeah yeah I think there's something to be said right for reading something where you know you can enjoy the journey and the story but it's not too much of a you know some people go into books really really wanting that um sort of whiplash or like emotional turmoil or they really want to be sobbing as they're reading this book you know they really Mm -hmm. want the the deep feels that come with it whereas I know for me I just love a good story where I can get into it and I'm not stressed while I'm reading it (laughs) yeah yeah I don't want to be I don't want to be stressed while I'm reading a book I just want to have a good time yeah I love that yeah I'm never stressed I'm always like okay I'm fanning myself so I'm like yeah, oh, yeah. all right we're gonna put this down now <laughs> but yeah we get to enjoy time. the spicy goodness and <laughs> that's yeah. the whole thing <laughs> and it's 
so good. You can always jump back into it. Like it's so flowy. You're like, I know what's going on. And like, I know, yeah, you know, I'm not going to be stressed when I go back into here. So it's always a joy. Yeah. It's like when you think about those sort of, um, you know, Netflix shows that we love, right, that you can kind of pause an episode and come back and you can you can take your time going through it or you can sit and binge the whole lot um, and you're not sitting there kind of, there's some shows that I have to research, <laughs> like, you know, I'm furiously researching beforehand because I'm like, is this going to leave me in, what kind of state is this going to leave me in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I need true. to know before I go in. I like that like you need to prepare <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah you never know yeah my partner's into like more of the horary and like crazy docos and stuff and I'm like okay no I need like Riverdale's a really bad example but it's like really bingeable right <laughs> not a good show all yeah the time. yeah it's funny I've like skipped seasons in that but you're like okay that season's not for me I'm just gonna go this one yeah I'm just gonna jump <laughs> jump forward in time yeah, yeah I'm a little bit the same my partner loves horror and gore and things like that and I'm like no I'm gonna go to read I'm, I'm just gonna take my kindle and I'm gonna go to bed and read <laughs> yeah, exactly. that sort of understanding yeah and like all day you're sitting and stressing in your business I feel like and you sit down and you're like okay I'm sitting here stressed like this is the last thing I want and with my books or yeah. with my tv show so really yeah, good exactly. point exactly we need we need the stuff that makes us feel good and and that's what you know so so many creative I don't want to say pursuits that's the wrong word but like creative things that people make like whether it's music whether it's writing whether it's art you know that's ultimately what we're trying to do is we are giving people something that they can enjoy or it provokes some sort of feeling in them and I love creating that feeling of just people enjoying the hell out of themselves you know like that's that's what I want like for people to come away from my books just having had the best time ever um and so it's always delicious to hear when somebody has had a great time <laughs> yeah. yeah I never want to put them down but um that's so good I just yeah you can feel that in your writing too it's just so like I don't know guiding and it's just good <laughs> um how how did you get into writing by the way let's dig back into that so for me I guess I've always been super creative I've always been had a mind that has has just always very effortlessly had imaginative worlds and characters and creations going on I mean I was I'm an only child and we traveled extensively when I was young mm -hmm. um, and I'm a child of the 80s so we were traveling in an era when there was no technology like there was there was nothing but my trusty little backpack full of you know books and coloring pencils and you know like I, I had to be very resourceful within my own imagination for things <laughs> yeah. so I had a really perfect kind of fostering I guess like creative creativity because that was all there was for me to do you know we're and um so I always knew I loved reading I always love I always leant towards kind of fantasy uh you know super imaginative um also into I was a, I don't know I was obviously a very very like <laughs> interesting little child because I love like murder mysteries and stuff as well like Agatha yeah. Christie like all of that um really love that kind of plot twisty red herring type uh writing and that's something that does come in a lot to I guess one of the influences in my writing is I love to bring in those sort of you know as much as possible those kind of little plot twist moments and things like that mm -hmm. that's something that I really 
love sewing into my books. Um, and I guess just over the years, like I always read, but then once I got into probably, you know, like adult life, right. And, you know, starting my own business and things like that, all of that energy went into very much the sort of business focus, self-development, like learning, always just trying to feed myself with, you know, more and more and more of just expanding knowledge and expanding, you know, soul purpose and all of these things. So uh, I probably spent a good number of years really into the sort of spiritual self-development world and spiritual business entrepreneurship world and reading all of those books. And, you know, I think a little bit the same as you, I think I got to a point when I just felt really complete and I was very done with that journey. And I was like, yep, no, I think I'm, I think I'm good now. You know, like I've, I've kind of dipped into all the books and I've, I think again, like you were saying that books found me that were the stories I needed to hear, the people I needed to connect with, the expanders I needed to sort of see what they had done in their life. Mm -hmm. And um, so that really empowered me to make those decisions in my own business. And once, once I started really getting into mentoring others and helping others within their own sole purpose, it was very much apparent for me that I was like, well, I've got to be walking this walk too, right? Like as much as I can empower others and and help them discover where they're supposed to be, you know, heading or, or what could align better for them in their life or things like that, um, I've got to be true to myself and amongst all of this too. And writing was always the thing that kept coming up for me, kept coming up for me. And I had this real funny series of events where it just was like, you know, daddy universe just came in and was like, this is, this is going to happen for you. Like now, if, if not now, when, and it was like, this is your when era, right? Like this is your moment when this has to start happening. So it was things like, um, we had the opportunity to sell our house and basically be in a situation where I could take that financial risk of starting to write, you know, full-time because that is like self-publishing you you are responsible for everything financially right so that's it's it's either something that people do initially maybe on the side of a job or work that they do or there's a lot of particularly women who get into writing for the first time in a serious way because they're in a position of you know maybe they're on maternity leave or they're a stay-at-home mom or something like that and they've got other responsibilities in their life but they've got that kind of time element that they can dedicate to writing and and the craft of it and so you know I was suddenly in this situation where I was like okay I could potentially do this right now um I had a few other things kind of coincide at the same time and I was like oh this this is really feeling like it's the moment that I'm going to do this and so I started out with the non-fiction and very much that was um kind of my training ground in self-publishing you know of being able to write about something that came very, very effortlessly, very, very easily was a very quick process of um, self-publishing in that way. And then um, was able to apply a lot of that learning to the fiction world and, and setting up my business as Elliot Rose and stepping into that. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it really, the fiction and writing fiction and writing particularly paranormal dark fantasy that that side of things 
was something that was just a no-brainer for me. I started kind of trying to write other genres at first and it just didn't really feel good. And as soon as I gave myself that permission to go, actually, this is this is the story I want to tell, it just flowed so easily. And I had um, the first book in the Nocturnal Heart series. I was actually in the process of writing In Darkness Waits Desire, which is now book two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was going to be book one. And I was in the process of writing that. And then suddenly in came my characters, Leah and Fern, with their story that is now Sweet Inferno, which is book one. And it's a short, fast burn novella. Um, And that book just like barreled in all of a sudden and was like, oh, by the way, (laughs) you need to write this like right now. And it all came through in the space of two weeks, like start to finish, everything just like poured out onto the page. (laughs) And so it was very much an exercise in like trusting that creative channel just opening and going oh okay this is this is what is going to be the introduction to the world and even though logically I hadn't planned it that way it makes so much sense for a lot of my I guess readers or people new to my world because they can kind of dip their toes in with something that is a short read and really get a taste of is this is this for them like do they enjoy this kind of world do they enjoy this kind of storytelling um world building uh because paranormal romance is is beloved, you know, it is it, it is a huge thing for a lot of readers, but it is nowhere near as big as say like contemporary romance or you know um, non non magical like normal everyday life books, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's a great kind of wet your appetite type book book for people who want to come in and and just give it give it a try and see if they enjoy it. So um, yeah, it was a fun little. Uh, experience of something coming through that I was not expecting um, to come through in such a whirlwind way but that was what ended up being the first book I published November last year so yeah it's it's kind of been a whirlwind (laughs) of things come together (laughs) it's like it feels like it's happened really fast but at the same time it's just felt very very natural Mm -hmm. wow that's amazing so it naturally spilled out of you. And yeah, I, I agree. The Sweet Inferno was a good idea because I literally, I read that book with like no expectations, right? I was like, I really want to read your work. And then it like created this amazing world. And it was like, I was just, yeah, I was sucked into it. And then it was like beautifully over, but I was like, okay, now I need more. So it was like, perfect. I was like, all right, we have another yeah. book. Thank God. <laughs> and I just I love how it's about two characters and then the next one's about two other characters that we meet that's within their journey and then the next one's about like I don't read any like romance or anything I don't even know what the rules are (laughs) it's just like that is a really cool way to tie it together yeah yeah there's so there's there's sort of ways that you can structure it and I mean for anyone who's who watches this or listens to this who's you know ever considered that writing sort of um following any pursuits or interest in writing is that you can really think about the journey you want to take your readers on and this applies to fiction or non-fiction right you know because you've got some uh like business books right that people will write that are kind of these interconnected series of of themes or or things that you can either read them individually or you can read them all as kind of one big long binge mm-hmm. um and in in the fiction world yeah you can think about what what journey do you want to take your readers on and for me personally i love when you've got a world where you kind of get the character's story wrapped up within the one book but you still get little tastes of them in these other books and and it's this 
uh, very interconnected kind of found family, you know, dynamic of you get their individual stories, but you get little, little sneak peeks at these characters that you're sitting there going like, oh, I really can't wait to find out more about them. And then lo and behold, you know, at some point in time, their book does pop up as one of the ones that you get to get to go into. Um, I do love a series where say you follow the same character over a number of different books, but I think the authors that pull that off are very, very skilled at what they do because it's a lot to write more than one book about a certain character. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, a great example is something like The Hunger Games, you know, for anyone who's read sort of um, young adult style books, you know, or, or Twilight was obviously also another great example of taking one or two characters and then having a whole series focused on them. And for right or wrong, you know, some people love it, some people don't love it so much. I, For me, I really love getting everything in the one book because, again, I'm I'm such a sucker for happily ever afters that when books end on a cliffhanger or something, <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I have to wait like another year yeah. for the book to come out, <laughs> next book to come out, you know. Um, I feel that. So, yeah, having these, having these sort of standalone books that all do link and hold hands in some way and you know there are no spoilers that there's happily ever afters for my couples but at least you can read you can kind of dive in and read whichever one you want to start with and the only real spoiler you're going to get is that you might see the other couple from a preceding book in their happily ever after moment but you don't hear about the events necessarily of their book like that doesn't get spoiled so um yeah it's fun to weave their storylines yeah you get that little like glimpse of them and then you can kind of get that little taster of oh I might go and read their story now you know for example Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think if you read the second book of yours you'd have to go back to the first one because that was hectic (laughs) it's a werewolf yeah yeah gone (laughs) yeah and and in that second book is also where a lot of the bigger world building happens you meet a lot more of the characters and it kind of sets the I guess it sets up the events of the the books that are kind of the rest the next at least like three in the series you know it really um introduces us to those characters and and kind of sets up a few domino things of of where their characters are headed off to and you know just peaks a little bit of mystery as to oh what's what's going on over there with them <laughs> yeah since you told me about who like the third book's about I was like oh I'm just paying more attention to them I'm like so what am I what can I find out now before (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um yeah so you have you read Niall and Ruby's book yet or you you're not up to them yet so yeah 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 so Niall and Ruby are book three and that's the Queen's Temptation and so yeah we first meet Niall in the second book in In Darkness Waits Desire he's the brother of our main character in that book and he's kind of very much comes in as the cheeky um you know he's 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 got a lot to say and he loves winding up his very grumpy broody brother Lachlan um who is kind of the very I guess like heavy responsibility person and head of the family you know and here's his um younger brother who is very much the cheeky uh you know likes to likes to poke at him likes to shit stir um and he gets sent off on assignment to become the guardian uh kind of bodyguard role 
um, for the new Fae Queen who has had some, there's been some upheaval in the Fae Dominion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be yeah, so the Queen Badass, cheeky guy. I'm curious to see like where yeah. it will be a bit lighter. I love Lachlan though. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's a very it was a lot of fun to kind of write their books I guess like back to back you know because Lachlan is a very grumpy broody doesn't say a lot character um and a lot of internal monologue with him and then Niall is much more like you know the the cheeky the opinionated the you know and and as we as we get to experience in the Queen's Temptation has got a deliciously filthy mouth on him so we get to enjoy that um (laughs) yeah yeah um and he he then has you know his own I guess uh I won't say secrets as such but you know we we get to see a deeper side to him because he's in you know in the eyes through the eyes of his brother we see that he's kind of almost judged for being this very carefree sort of personality but we see in the queen's temptation that actually he's got a lot more depth underneath that so Mm -hmm. um that was a lot of fun to bring in as well yeah I like that because people can relate to that I think (laughs) as well yeah yeah Yeah, that you know just because you come across crosses someone who takes everything maybe lightly doesn't mean you don't feel it deeply and that was definitely a big theme with his character because he's so everyone's got their kind of own individual um magical I guess attributes and particularly in these characters that we follow in the Nocturnal Hearts series um this family in particular these brothers they're they're all witches and they've all got their own kind of unique set of magical abilities and in Niall's case he's an empath which so he picks up on emotions feels emotions takes them on can manipulate them you know all of that so um yeah it was a big it was quite a fun thing to play with that as a concept with when it comes to how when you're someone who feels everything really deeply and potentially takes on board everything really deeply do you let that weigh you down or do you let do you allow yourself to kind of still live life lightly um and not choose to be burdened by what you carry kind of thing yeah yeah damn that sounds like me and like I'm projector yes too and you are too did you write from that kind of like I'm an empathetic projector <laughs> take on all of it yeah <laughs> yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of me I guess in all of the characters you know they've all got different elements of of my own experiences but um yeah it was it was fun to be able to kind of play with that and put that into Niall's character and 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 yeah just share that side of things of you know that as as you'll know like it's very classic projector vibes that you walk into a room and can immediately tell like what the sort of tone of the room is or the 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 feels of the room or the kind of you know um that's a really unique experience to anyone who does identify as like highly sensitive or empathic or or, you know very in tune or intuitive um and for people who've never experienced that like that's quite a wild thing to try and get across you know that Mm -hmm. like yeah nobody has to say a word but I know kind of what (laughs) I know what's going on (laughs) that's so cool I feel like I would almost direct people to that too be like if you want to understand me more first of all sorry it's a sexy romance but you need to read this (laughs) (laughs) so good yeah 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 and you'll have a fantastic time while you're there <laughs> yeah, exactly 
I love that. Um, it's yeah. just so, is like the broody Lachlan part of you too? Or is it like something you've worked through maybe? Or how's that unfolded? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly resonate a lot with Lachlan's character of being that quieter um the thinker right like that's that's something I think with Lachlan that he comes across as the broody sullen grumpy you know male main character that is so quintessentially like we you know in in romance novels it's it's kind of a trope that is like across the board through a lot of different books and it's it's always so satisfying when they crack because you know they yeah. kind of are the whole they carry the whole uh exterior of I don't need anybody I am an island like I need <laughs> no one <laughs> yes and it's the most satisfying when they crack and finally admit that like oh well I have feelings for this one particular person over here you know um and that's in Lachlan's case like that's that's a big thing with his character journey um, but yeah, I definitely could like, there's, there's those elements for me of, um, just being the sort of more introspective, quieter, um, you know, having, having that experience of being someone who, um, and again, I don't know whether this is like my projectoriness, um, that often has, has spent time kind of observing everyone around me rather than being necessarily like in the conversation um, and just having that kind of ability to sit back and just kind of observe and, and have like a, a very complex inner monologue going on but not necessarily be able to vocalise that. And, you know, in Lachlan's case, he is very much the man of little words um energy and you know that comes out in sort of that that characterization for him um and and it's a lot of fun to write a character that sort of has these other siblings that wind him up and you know because they're they have a they have a sister who is um gifted with you know being the sort of the seer in the family and she's she's great Bridget's (laughs) Bridget's a lot of fun because she's that kind of very uh, impish, cheeky character, but because she essentially can see everybody's future, um, she's kind of the shit stirrer because she she can't interfere and she can't manipulate events, but she knows. So <laughs> she's kind of always giving, she's always giving the little like wink nudge to, to everyone, whether they like it or not. <laughs> My gosh, like younger siblings are usually already like annoying and already doing that stuff. Can you imagine? They're like, okay, but I know what's going to happen. So now I can pick on you. More. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or I know, I know exactly what you are thinking and okay. feeling and you're refusing to admit it to anyone. And I'm just going to endlessly, you know, kind of tease that I know. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the way that you can see characters. I feel like you really like break it down to like, well, you know, the Lachlan type is very inner dialogue and all of that. And like, you know, the um, Nile is like outer dialogue. It's so interesting because I don't think of people that way. And it's just really cool how you get that. Do you know how like you kind of develop that? Like, did you have to really learn that skill or you just, did you get any writing, um, teaching or anything? Like, how do you know? Actually, let's just start there because I have another question after that. Does that make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um so, so I guess to answer the thing, no, I haven't had any formal like writing, uh, coaching or training or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess 
guess it's just more been something that I've always practiced. I've always developed. I've, I've, I mean, I read a huge amount like, and widely. So it's, I think that's also for, again, for any aspiring writers or people who are maybe considering writing, um, reading widely in the genre you want to write in is is probably like the most important thing you can do um as well as practicing writing all the time even if it goes nowhere even if you never do anything with it like you you only improve your writing by doing and like I am you know as much as I as much as I want I am incredibly proud of everything I put out like my goal is always to get better with every single book so I look at something like Sweet Inferno now and you know it might only be just coming up to a year since when that went out. But I I already know, like I can flick through that book and see a hundred thousand places where I would write something differently now or change it or whatever. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Like it's just that I know my goal for myself as a writer is always to improve with every book. And I want my readers to come across like my most recent book and go, this is the best thing you've written. And I'm like, yes, like that's what I want. Like I want everyone to think that the most recent thing is the best thing I've written. That's a good point. Um, well, it's nice seeing your evolution. Yeah. So, like, leaving that yeah. I think is important. Like, you can always yeah. re-release, but I feel like, yeah, we're, we're enjoying yeah. your evolution as well at the same time. Yeah, and it's very, very common in you know anyone, any any creative, right? Like, we always look back on the stuff that we do. You know, the very first things we've done. You know, and and we can, we can always see room for improvement. Um, and that's, that's growth, right? Like that's evolution. Yeah. I love that. You're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, so the character thing and like how that develops for me, it's very hard to explain, but I think, um, it, it's just kind of there for me. Like the characters come through and I already kind of know their energy. I know their vibe. And there are maybe some things that I have to sit and like tease out a little bit, you know, like a character like Lockie was very um he's not very vocal so like when when his sort of voice is coming through for me it's very like sort of um few and far between right and so there's things that I have to kind of sit and uh you know almost have that conversation with myself to go okay um I think how did I explain it to someone I was like basically writing Lockie I just kept putting him in more and more awkward like situations and watching him have to figure it out right like because you don't get a lot of control over what your characters do and say on the page it's a really funny thing to explain people think you're in control of your characters but you're you're not really like you might have control of the plot or where things are going but there's so much that just organically happens that they really have their own life and entity and and they make decisions themselves that you sort of sometimes have to steer it so that it stays on track with your plot or like where you're heading um but yeah they they very much speak in their own in their own way and so in Lockie's case he didn't have a lot to say so I had to kind of create these situations of of tension or whatever and then he then had to respond and like give me the way he would react or speak or whatever the case may be. Whereas someone like Niall was very insistent in terms of like his words and his dialogue and the way he came through on the page. So um, yeah, it is, it is, it's fun to kind of um, just see where the characters go. And like for a lot of my female main characters, particularly um, that's a big thing that they 
you know, they all have these kind of threads of being very strong in their own unique ways. Like I'm a big fan of female characters that are badasses, you know, they're powerful, they're, they, they, they've got their own, um, energy that that is very unique to them but also that strength doesn't necessarily have to be this real mouthy lippy you know kind of aggressive female character because I think that's what so often in the past female characters have been kind of done this disservice that they've been painted either as this very like flimsy weak there's no depth to them or they're kind of this yeah like like aggressive character that um is kind of the way that they've demonstrated someone who is a strong character. And it's like, well, no, you don't have to be aggressive and mouthy to be strong, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, that makes yeah. I'm so glad you broke that. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's what I enjoy with my female man characters and the, you know, the response I've had from readers has been really amazing that they've really loved the female main characters as much as they've loved the male main characters because it particularly in romance you know we've got a lot of very swoony male main characters that people you know gush over and there's sort of you know fan pages dedicated to these male main characters that they fall in love with and things and yet the female main character is often so kind of forgotten or like you know just not um given that kind of thoroughness on the page mm-hmm. so that's something I'm always really I always like to make sure I've given them just as much, um, you know, uh, I've done them justice on the page, I think is what I, what I always want to make sure I've achieved as an author. If I've done that, then I feel good. And I actually had a really great compliment from someone that's really stuck with me is that they said from the Queen's Temptation um, that they've never read a book where they've come away kind of just as in love with the female main character as the male main character. And they're like, I couldn't separate the two. Like they were both up there and I was like, great. Like, yes. (laughs) That's funny. Okay, now, yeah. I was like, I relate to Niall. And now I'm like, let's see, do I relate to the female character in that one? What what is her name, if I can know? (laughs) So in The Queen's Temptation, our female main character is Ruby. And we meet, you meet her at the very, very end of In Darkness Waits Desire, just get a little glimpse of her coming into the page. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's really good. And like, I do feel that in your characters because yeah, I feel like that's an inner work kind of thing that I've figured out about myself. Like, and maybe like that's all of our female journeys. I, I definitely went that far route of being that maybe not mouthy, but like more aggressive version. And, you know, cause I am a badass. I hate saying that actually because like you know I feel like I can be really badass but I feel like I can also you know be really emotional and sad and but like and caring and all of that stuff and I'm like there's a balance there but then even on our own journey you kind of go too far one way and go too far the other way and you got to find that middle ground and it's just yeah really relating to your characters and that that they were on that middle ground um it's really nice because then you get to be in the book kind of from their perspective as yourself yeah 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 and I think you know so many women relate to that as well that um you know when we're we're talking about like things that we all have had to navigate like patriarchy you know which wounding whatever we want to whatever label we want to put on it that so often the women who have been listened to have either had to 
yeah, develop this very kind of like loud, mouthy sort of persona just to be heard. But then that's not necessarily been true to them either. Um, or they've had a lot to say, you know, but because their inclination is to be quieter or um, to to listen first before speaking, um, mm. they've been then kind of underestimated because it seemed like, oh, well, you, you know, you, you don't have an opinion because you're not jumping in straight away. So, you know, um, we're, we're constantly fighting against so many of those stereotypes, right, that we can be both. And um, also just that, you know, women's voices in general um, are in, in dire need of, of being much more present in a lot of the conversations, which is why for me, you know, romance writing as a genre, I really, really love being part of that community because it is so heavily uh, predominantly influenced by female writers, you know, and mm -hmm. it really is a space where you see so many women running incredible businesses um, sharing their creativity, sharing their thoughts, sharing their inspiration through a vehicle that is, for all intents and purposes, seen as kind of this indulgence. But there's huge things they're doing to transform people's lives because they're not only giving them an ability to see themselves on the page, which is, you know, that for one thing is like the biggest expander for a lot of people, right? You know, just being able to see them in, see themselves in a fictional character. Like there are so many people who've never had that experience, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And seeing that for the first time can be really empowering. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, you've got people who are literally, you know, um, being able to help other people work through stuff, whether that is emotional things, trauma, experiences, you know, maybe learning something about themselves, sexual empowerment, like that's romance is a entire genre is huge in terms of like just sexually empowering women to actually understand that it's okay to you know enjoy pleasure or to um explore sides of themselves that they would never ever have um considered because it's never been like in their in their real life or like they've never had somebody in their real life share that with them or or speak to them about that or give them that kind of inclination and I know I've got friends who you know they've been able to explore things within themselves and their re like relationship dynamic and their marriage and like things that have revolutionized things for them and they're just so much happier now and it has literally come from reading fictional smutty books and they're just mm -hmm. like you know their mind is blown because they're like oh my god my marriage is like the best it's ever been and yeah. it's all thanks to reading like this little book <laughs> yeah. yeah I can definitely relate to that yeah it lets them kind of come out of their own shell and realize that these feelings are okay and that like you know we can bring yeah. that into our real life there's so many fictions that have taught me so much even not just books like even tv shows you can put yourself in it and you learn something from it so why wouldn't a romance novel be the same you know yeah I love that they can find that within there they yeah sexual empowerment is definitely something I found in your books as well <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah like romance is an entire thing that you know again if we talk about like patriarchal conditioning or whatever that you know within the book publishing industry has had a huge influence right like over decades um and indie romance and being able to self-publish has really started to chip away at that influence of 
traditional publishing used to have very, well, still does have very strict standards of like what they think is bankable, what they think is going to sell, what they think is going to hit that kind of middle of the road guaranteed money earner. Mm-hmm. And that's where self-publishing has allowed people to tell stories that cater to the vast majority of people who do not fit in that, you know, like middle ground beige kind of territory. <laughs> yeah. For want of a better word, like there are a lot of very good books that fit in that category, but um, indie romance particularly has allowed people to tell stories and and to represent other people's experiences in a very um, diverse way, which is super important. Um, and it, And it's allowed for conversations to start happening that would never have been able to happen in the mainstream. You know, the fact that you can you can go now and buy a book that is queer that is polyamorous that is you know um like diverse cultural representation like you know all of like neurodiverse like everything it's it's so it's so good and it's like really the sky's the limit for what you know you can you can go and find now um and there's incredible writers being able to do it because before like even five years ago if you didn't live somewhere that was kind of the one of the big centers for publishing Mm -hmm. you had such a limited opportunity to get your book or your name in front of the people making these decisions um and now you can kind of just like bypass all of that completely if you if you want to um and you've got people like myself able to live in the middle of nowhere at the bottom of the world who can publish (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that's come about. And yeah, it really has revolutionized things. And what is that journey like? Is it is it quite easy? Is it quite hard? Like how how do you know like are you going on the right path, especially with your writing, I suppose, but how how do you go about like publishing mm-hmm. it as well? Well, I know one of like one of the big things that we were actually just talking about before we press record, right? Was the inner work, right? And mm-hmm. and the confidence in yourself like that's been that's probably like the number one thing that if you are considering stepping into self-publishing you have to be your own biggest fan you have to be confident in what you're doing and you have to be willing to do it in a way that is not holding yourself to some ridiculous standard of you know comparison to maybe someone who's been doing it for a really long time or maybe someone who got their start in traditional publishing and then moved into indie publishing or vice versa. Um, and, And you'll be amazed the number of times that I myself have caught myself reading someone's book, loving their work, feeling super inspired by them, and then immediately going, oh, my God, how is it that they have achieved X, Y, and Z? Um, already and and I'm comparing myself to them and their book and their kind of you know for all intents and purposes like their book sales right Mm -hmm. um and going wow you know how have they achieved what they've achieved and then I like flip to the back of their book and realize there was one author in particular she published 80 books and I'm like oh uh, oh (laughs) this is why you are where you're at because you literally have published 80 books holy shit (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you know, decades into your career and I'm sitting here comparing myself on like year one to your, you know, year whatever. So again, it is very important to almost like you have to have the self-respect for where you are at and 
it's okay to have like lofty goals and aspirations and creative desires that you want to fulfill but you're only going to achieve those if you actually get in the ring and do the thing like you you cannot do it from sitting there um not publishing anything and hoping and praying that someone's going to come along and like wave their magic wand and say oh you you are now deemed worthy of publishing the book like no one's going to do that right like you you have to have the kind of courage to go and put it out there and and you can do it in a way that either you you know, you just trust that you know, and you know that what you what you've put together is is feeling like, yeah. Again, if you've read widely, you kind of know what where your book is going to sit in comparison to other books that are out there. For example, mm-hmm. um, using like beta readers and advanced readers is also a really fantastic way to strengthen your storytelling and your writing, and it's something I use all the time. Um, because they give you feedback while you're still in that pre-publishing phase and they can give you that kind of insight that is constructive feedback, right? Like they can give you the reactions that are the emojis and the hype and the we love this, but they can also give you very specific feedback on, you know, the way something landed for them or um, how something felt for them or how it made them feel, um, that you can then take and either choose to rework or expand on or, you know, things like that. So finding those people who can support you on your journey as an author is really important as well. Um, and yeah, that's something that's really helped me to have the confidence to do it because it it is a very solo kind of endeavor, you know, no one can write your book, but you. <laughs> yeah. The ultimate, like, yeah entrepreneurial experience I feel like the ultimate like put my brain on paper and for the world to see that's wild yeah and and it takes it takes time like there's no shortcutting it and I think that's it's really one of the few maybe art forms out there that it, it it you cannot bullshit your way through writing like you genuinely have to dedicate yourself to writing and that's why there are every every person will say well I I believe that every person has a book in them but not every person has either got the desire or the means or the um I don't know what it is like willpower you could call it to actually commit to the process of um bringing it to life because it it does take time like it does take sitting down every day for 30 60 90 days a year whatever it you know whatever your speed of writing is to actually put the words on the page I don't know I don't know have you ever heard that saying that talks about like putting in your 10,000 hours to master your creativity yeah. um, you know like it like writing takes that and like takes it to a whole new level like you really <laughs> you are really limited by how fast your fingers can go <laughs> Yeah, and your brain to like finger connection. I feel like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can envision it, but can you put it into words as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not to mention then like the editing and the proofreading and the, the things that then come after you've like got it on the page. You you then have to do the sort of refining of it as well, which is not a quick. Um, oh, I don't know. Again, like I say, not a quick process, but. Um, as your craft develops, it becomes quicker. Like when I edit a book now or proofread a book now compared to when I very, very first started, it's like chalk and cheese because there are things that I've learned and like, 
my writing has improved to a point when you know I kind of know where I'm at like with what will typically need to be refined or edited or whatever um so that's also another thing to kind of yeah. keep in mind is that like as you as you go as you publish more books you kind of become certain parts of the process become faster um yeah, you yeah. start to see where the kind of holes are. But yeah, I have yeah. heard that it is better to be, you know, just just the writer and not the writer and the editor. I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck. The beginning, I, I heard this at one point, you know, if you're trying to edit while, while you're writing, like it's just going to stop you in your tracks kind of thing because you're yeah. just fully judging yourself. Yeah, you have to give yourself that permission and mindset of, uh, my little saying I keep in mind for myself is like, it's okay when I'm doing that first draft, like C minus work, like mm. just get it down. Like it does not have to be perfect. It does not have to be the thing that is going to be in the final book. But if I'm constantly trying to edit it to make it A plus work, I'm never going to get there because I'm constantly just like fiddling with phrases and sayings and words and things. But if I can get it down with that attitude of like, C minus like just just get it on the page um the refining and the the polishing it up as you say like you bring in potentially someone who is going to edit it with a different eye and you bring in somebody who is able to look at it with that um if you choose to because again there's there's vastly different ways that you can get people to support you with that process um but yeah it is it is very much something that keeping in mind that that type of brain is that it uses two parts different parts of your brain very much yeah yes yeah. yeah, so you're stepping in your own way but I, yeah. I love that how you put it though like you have to step in the ring like you can't be a spectator or you're never going to get anywhere that's that's no. kind of true with everything but it seems very very true with yeah. this yeah yeah and I think writing is has got a lot of I don't even know the right word for it like whether it's prejudice or something like attached to it around, I think because it has been gatekept for so long by the traditional publishing industry that it has been made to feel for so long, like it is this only thing, this, this thing that only a rare few will ever be able to do it and mm. achieve success in it. And self-publishing and indie publishing has now blown that wide open because it has kind of revealed the fact that there are a lot of people who've been traditionally published who are not great writers, you know, like for all intents and purposes, they might be good storytellers, they might be good marketers, they might be great at having connections, but they're yes. not necessarily the best writers out there. And then you've got really, really fantastic writers who have sat on something because, as you say, like they're not willing to put themselves out there for the first time and actually risk that someone's going to read their book right like because that's the that's potentially the most terrifying part is that you write this book and then you have to hand it over to someone and be like so what do you think like yeah. did you enjoy it like your brain like, yeah oh. <laughs> but again it it's like you know you're writing something potentially that is like you know 80 90 100,000 words whatever you know long like you there are going to be parts within books that people really really resonate with and even within the same book there might be bits that you know they may be like oh well that 
that wasn't like the greatest thing I've ever read, but it still served a function to get me to the next part of the story. And then mm-hmm. this bit really spoke to me. And, you know, it, it's it's endlessly fascinating how people can sort of judge themselves and say, you know, oh, well, I, the whole thing isn't this most perfect thing that I could create. But you could argue like, what is perfection when you're talking about like 100,000 words, you know, like, yeah, you know, three, four, 500 pages. Yeah. (laughs) What is perfection? (laughs) And everyone's, yeah, going to find perfection in different parts. Like everyone's perspective is different. Eight billion perspectives in the world. And yeah, I mean, like, and I know a lot of people bag on something like Twilight, right, for not being (laughs) the greatest literary work in the world. I actually never read it. I think I was just in that moment of like, I can't remember how old I was when it came out, but I was at a point in my life when it just obviously wasn't a great priority of mine to be reading. So I completely skipped the the moment when it was the thing that everyone was reading. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally got around to watching the movies, it, it had kind of fizzled out, you know, in terms of the, the, the massive fandom it had. Um, and so I've always kind of been like a curious observer of this sort of different, different thoughts yeah. and conversations around Twilight. But that is a great example of how, they were stories that really captured kind of a, a, a moment in time and a, 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 a particular kind of energy in time. Um, are they the best thing ever written? No, but like, you know. They've been successful they, now? Probably not. Like, you know, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and also like they literally are things that are so iconic within our everyday language. Like, you you know, you only have to say like, team Jacob and like everyone knows what you're talking about right like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing captured people's attention and and made them feel something and had them connect with characters and you know that's like that's impactful right like and and um you could argue that like it was important that those those books did come out and did create something that probably did inspire so many other people to either go on and then write or develop their love of reading or whatever purpose it served for people right yeah yeah, it was it was there for a reason so um I was gonna say definitely created a bunch of readers which is always good yeah yeah Yeah. so I guess the answer to like how do you know if writing is good is basically like you can be your own judge of that and like absolutely. let's stop gatekeeping that the publishers actually know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because there are people who will read, um, like this is a very, very niche specific thing that I've only just recently found out about because again, I I obviously missed this whole thing, but like there is a whole like subgenre of like Harry Potter spin-off fandom where they wanted, they essentially wanted Hermione and Draco to be together. Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> It is like, it is literally, it is a whole thing that people write endless fan fiction, like art, like it, it's all over like That's the amazing. place. Yeah. And it, it is amazing. It fascinates me. Um, and people will happily like buy and read these fan fiction, like, you know, worlds, alternate, alternate universes that people have created around these characters um and yeah as you say like that's what some people want to read other people want to read the classics other people want to read stuff that is very light and fluffy and like you know small town rom-com other people want to write read shit that like messes their brain up for the rest of the year you know like (laughs) 
that is what you judge a book on is like, do you enjoy it? And, and read what you enjoy. Like life's too short. Life is way too short to be worried about like what other people consider to be good or not. That's like very, very, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, when we talk about like books and things and um, again, the time commitment to read a book is something I'm very aware of as well for my readers. Like there are some people who read a book in a day and there are other people who might only read a couple of chapters every now and then, and they're slowly working their way through a book. Um, and so for, for people who are, you know, typically getting through books slower, like why wouldn't you just re- focus on reading the things you want to read, right? Like, and yeah, enjoy. True. <laughs> and no there are some books what. you read slower. Like I am, I'm enjoying a book and I'm like really weaning this one because you know, my day is so stressful and all that. I'm just like, I'm just gonna have a couple of pages and I'm gonna go to bed because I can't get sucked into a whole other thing. I'm just tired. <laughs> but most um, like, you know, I can read a book in a day. And I thought about reading it once, but I was like, I don't want to read it that fast too, because I don't want it to be over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you never know. I don't know. You might as well enjoy what you're reading. Um yeah. I guess though, like for you, were there any like other mindset blocks that might've come up since you, you did the inner work, but was there anything like the writing journey in particular brought out of you that was like really challenging? Mm, I think, I think for me, it's, it's a constant process of keeping my mindset to being inspired by people and not um, comparing myself to others. And that's something that I really actively work on all the time. Um, and probably my, and again, this is a very trajectory thing, but my biggest probably like mindset thing that I constantly come back to is the definition of success as an author. Like that's that's a huge thing. And, and with projectors, success being our thing that we're always striving for, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, so often it's it's based on financial things or book sales or something that's very like numeric quantity driven right and I have to constantly time and time again remind myself of what the other examples of success are in my career as an author and in my life and in my day-to-day that isn't just purely based on okay what were the number of books sold this month or what was you know what how how many new readers was I was I able to reach or in comparison to what I see for some other authors, right? You know, um, and again, very much being being mindful of where I'm at in my stage of the journey um, and, yeah, not comparing my day, you know, 200 to somebody else's day, like 20,000, like sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, so or that's, who they might know or whatever, like it yeah, doesn't mean yeah. that they're a better writer yeah. or anything like that. It's just yeah, absolutely. And um there's there's a and again, I don't know whether this is like a particularly good mindset thing to keep in mind, but you know, in in the book publishing world, particularly, like it is a very specific, like star rating type thing that people go on Amazon, they go on Goodreads, they go on, you know, wherever they've purchased their book. And if they choose to do so, they can leave a star rating review from one to five. Um, And there's not a lot of industries where that is the case, right? Like you don't have people star rating a Picasso, for example. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I wonder what his star rating would be. 
You're so like one star I don't understand yeah. it like most, yeah. majority of people <laughs> yeah and that is literally what happens with books is that people will give it like a one star because they're like I didn't get it or you know for the most ridiculous things and so I always do appreciate when there's you know authors who are very very successful you know and they will tend to poke fun at some of these little things of like you know um highlighting some of the one star reviews they've got and like making a joke out of it you know going like you know um I think one of one author I follow she was talking about how she released this kind of very like smutty rom-com Christmas special sort of thing and it was just pure pure intention was like fluff and a good time and like you know just just hedonistic like enjoy yourself type book and I think she got a one-star rating saying that it was all sex and no plot and she's like what it was meant to be yeah like like, you did read what was on the like label yeah or probably not a eh? it's always those yeah. people that actually leave the review too they're like I didn't actually read what like it was meant to be yeah, <laughs> yeah. went in with it's an like, expectation yeah yeah it's like this was not written to be the next like great literary classic like you <laughs> this was written purely to have a good time um so yeah it is it's yeah like you can find any author you want to like put your name on you can find people who have you know not enjoyed their books or or whatever the case may be and then you can equally find legions of raving fans you know who who are the silent raving fans as well who are just genuinely like having conversations everywhere like talking about books and recommending them and stuff so it is again the sort of mindset that you have to keep in mind that you don't know who's buying your books. You don't know who's reading your books, like, which is very different again to other forms of entrepreneurship where you have sold something very directly to a person Mm -hmm. um, because people can borrow, lend, get secondhand, you know, like you can pick up books in all manner of different ways and you don't know who's purchased it um, because it's through something like Amazon, for example. So it, it's wild like where your books can end up and who can recommend them to one another and who can end up reading it and you're just putting this thing out into the world and letting it organically kind of find its way to people um mm. which is so very different to you know if you are individually selling something through your website or something like that it's you know you kind of you kind of know who has got your stuff <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that's so scary yeah. but yeah even I recommend your book like 10 people now so <laughs> but it's interesting how like your industry too yeah like everyone I, I don't like this in any industry but you know when people are like they're not the great author they're not a great author they're not the best author they're not this mm-hmm. and they compare everyone because because yeah. they're being snooty <laughs> like I feel like that's yeah. the only place it's come from because like you could read Plato yeah great author but don't enjoy reading him you know I particularly don't enjoy reading him or all of that but I understand that yeah that's great writing and that's taught us a lot and all of that but yeah (laughs) who is a great author no one (laughs) everyone and no one (laughs) yeah the great the great authors are the ones who've actually published something and put it out there yes um and in my opinion the greater authors are the people who have maybe put something out there and faced a little bit of criticism and have still or or um not even necessarily criticism have not achieved commercial success and have still carried on and carried on and carried on because you genuinely don't know what is going to be the moment that something blows up like you genuinely don't know because it can be 
just a moment in time that something happens to gather momentum or, you know, it could be your third book. It could be your fifth book. It could be your 10th book. Like yeah. you just genuinely don't know what it's going to be. Um, and, and yes, there's a certain element of, um, you can write to market like you can you can be aware of what the market is desiring you can be particularly in romance you can be very um business savvy and strategic in terms of making sure that the way you're writing is appealing to an a, a ravenous group of readers who are looking for that particular genre of book or or style of book or uh like notes that are hit in a book you know the the sort of things um and a and a really strangely specific example at the time we're recording this is that for whatever reason earlier this year there just seemed to be this like absolute flood of books that all came out around about the similar time within sort of three to four months of one another that were all ice hockey themed oh, romances interesting. like it was very very strange Wow. I don't know what happened. There was just a whole lot of authors all at the same time sort of wrote these books all across different kind of styles of romance. Like you had some that were dark romance. You had some that were like um, rom-com-y, some that were like, you know, college, university style ones, others that were like going into the sort of polyamory situation. Like just you had this real like glut of books that all suddenly came out and the the genre just went bananas like people could not get enough of ice hockey romance and it was like these books were everywhere and people were devouring them and like you've got authors who have gone viral because of this kind of trend in what people were wanting as readers and mm -hmm. it's just wild it was just like they hit upon this moment and there's so many it's kind of a running joke in the author community that there are so many authors out there going like man why wasn't I writing ice hockey romance like six months ago <laughs> Yeah, but could you imagine you'd, you'd be writing that and you'd be like, oh, who's going to want this, right? You're like, yeah. you know, I'm writing Ask Life Romance, I'm just going to wing it. And then all of a sudden you're on this train of like, everyone's trending, I'm trending, yeah. what's happening? Yeah, like it was yeah. literally like that, that people all of a sudden were going, I've read this book, I now want to devour like as many books as you can give me that are in this same Wow. sort of energy and same same dynamic and yeah really had this moment for some reason <laughs> so funny. Um, it and, happens yeah. in like cinema movies as well too yes. where like you know a movie yeah. will come out about dinosaurs and then three other will come out and you're like what's sudden, happening <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah all of a sudden you've got like this flurry of movies that are all like in this very similar kind of um energy <laughs> yeah um, yeah I know so we there's a few friends of mine that are other authors who write in kind of the paranormal um genre and like we've all been kind of you know joking saying like let's let's make paranormal romance like the next thing yeah. <laughs> like how do we make it the next how thing do do that? Gonna... introduce yeah. a new magical being that no one has ever like <laughs> yeah. thought of <laughs> yeah um and there's another lady I saw another author I follow who um Tessa Bailey she's really great at writing like rom-com funny um you know smutty romances and mm -hmm. she was doing a video on TikTok where somebody had sent her a question saying are you ever going to write a hockey romance <laughs> and, wow. and she does a lot of very humorous kind of TikToks and she was looking at the camera and she's like no I'm not going to write a hockey romance I'm writing too you all had better still be into it by the time they come out like you know she's like 
like dead pan down the camera. She's like, I've committed to writing two of these things. You better still buy them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like people would because hockey players stuff is always just hot. So <laughs> yeah, I think it really plays into the um alpha male kind of like uh mm-hmm. you know dynamic that I don't know like there's there's something about the characters that you can write I think when it's that particular sport that because it's probably one of the few sports where they can like be openly like violent with each other as well right? yeah yeah it's like still okay which is yeah, like, yeah yeah so it does kind of like tick a lot of the boxes of I guess um what people are typically writing like into their male main characters is sort of very alpha dominant you know um yeah you should write like a hockey scene in your books where they're like, oh, I found this stick in this, you know, bones, <laughs> something on ice. Yeah, I'm going to like invent like a whole fantasy hockey league. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Branch out Nocturnal Hearts, like sports college edition. <laughs> in like a beautiful castle. Like, yeah, everyone eat that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, um, you know how like Hogwarts had its Quidditch, like you have to oh invent God. something. Yeah. Like this. Floating ice. There'd be no ice, so I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but actually on that on that note, we're kind of teasing some ideas of future future things in the series that there might be some future things that come that are more getting into kind of like the um having some sort of uh like academy style um base that oh, some cool. some events of future books might I always love stories like that so yes let's do yeah that. <laughs> yeah it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of incorporate a few of those things um and that's actually something you get you get a little taste of at the end of Queen's Temptation so you'll have to you'll have to read that one to mm, see, see the seeds for that storyline <laughs> yeah well now I feel like I have to read this one faster and just get to that one but <laughs> Yeah, well, that one's out. And then um, Vicious Cravings is coming out at the end of August. At the time mm. that we're recording this, that's only like, how how many weeks away? Well, not <laughs> so, much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you've got plenty to plenty to devour within the next couple of months. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, just to note back to what you were saying about like publishing, like, you know, what's braver or like putting a book out there that might flop or might not be the best or whatever what's braver like putting out a book or putting out something and it succeeds or like knowing that you're not going to be hurt for example and that or the person that's like really really scared and does something anyway and like that person is braver I think so just with the writing there yeah I think I think you're right that it's like you can publish something and still be terrified of its reception, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have as many people as you like read it and give you feedback and it's okay to still do it scared and still be, you know, but if anything, what I do want to kind of hand over a permission slip for anyone who might be thinking about this is that there are number one Amazon New York Times bestsellers that go out with typos, with misprints, mm. yeah. with spelling mistakes like literally name any book that has hit number one on any ranking you can think of and you can guarantee there will be typos there will be things wrong with it there will be spelling mistakes in there and these are also things that are fixable for one in self-publishing like you can go away and fix your manuscript and re-upload it and any future books that get sold can have that fixed very very easily very very quickly um 
but also, yeah, it's like literally not the end of the world. I've, you know, traditionally published books have for a very long time had things that like typos in them. And <laughs> kind of makes me a little um, mad, but also it's a little bit like Easter eggy, like, oh, I found one. <laughs> in some yeah. actual publishing world, you kind of like rip on them and be like, how did, how did how many of you oh, not no, catch it? There's like gone. 10 of you editing it. <laughs> or did you cut oh, out? I don't know why the sound's just gone. No, no. I can't hear you. Oh. oh, there it is. Okay, let's come back. Oh, that's right. Come back. Okay. Come out there a little. That's all right. But yeah, yeah, I was just saying, like, I just, it bothers me a little bit because I'm like, how many of you are editing this, like, in the actual publishing world? <laughs> you didn't oh. catch it. But yeah. it's a little like, Easter eggy, too, where you're like, oh, okay. You've. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is wild that you can have traditionally published books that go through so many sets of hands and yeah. can still have spelling mistakes. Um, for self-publishing, for indie publishing, yeah, typically you might not have the budget to have that many people, you know, look at it. It might just be you and an editor. It might just be you and a proofreader, or it might just even be you. Like, spoiler mm. alert, there are a lot of authors out there that do not do anything, like, beyond themselves editing and have, like, a team that will read it and give them feedback and proofread for them. Like, that's cool. it, that there are a lot of authors out there that do that and very, very successful authors, I will say as well. Um, so don't believe anything that anyone says that you cannot publish a book unless you have an editor. I personally am like, will always use someone else because I could not care less about getting my grammar and punctuation correct. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I will happily delegate that to somebody else to pick out those things. Mm. <laughs> um Agreed. Yeah. And um, yeah, like it's, it's, we're all human at the end of the day. And in such a big document, like it, it, there are going to be little things that squeak in there. Like it's frustrating when they do, but um, you know, we want to put out the thing that we are feeling really, really good about, but um, you know, it, it, these things happen. And so not to beat yourself up about it, I think is the but even in India, I feel like there's less um, there's less mistakes and things, and like it's just interesting how that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, even a friend of mine was reading. Uh, what was she reading? I can't remember what book, but it's anyway. It's one of these ones that is like sitting in the top whatever of book sales. You know, it's it's one that is like um, all over the book sort of recommendations for dark romance. Like it's very, very popular um, and has like hit number one bestseller, all of the things. And she literally bought her copy the other day and she's like, there's still spelling mistakes in the, you know, they, they've obviously like never worried about going back and like fixing them. Like they're mm. still there and it doesn't, you know, it's just more like a curiosity and like a fun little thing to be like, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder, wonder why <laughs> has not has not affected the book's sales or popularity or like rabid fan base in any shape or form <laughs> yeah and I guess that's okay yeah. I'm yeah. curious just personally like was it more difficult it doesn't sound like it was more difficult for you to write you know soulpreneur and books where like your actual your opinion was out there and your perspective on Mm. real world activities like business and things went out there because like I would write a book like that but also I'm terrified of that <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you have any yeah. like insight on that like how was that yeah we do um I mean yeah like you you 
I think anyone who is putting themselves out there in that way, that their thoughts or perspective is going to be consumed, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, you know, book, whether it's a um, online course or whatever you're doing, like you, you have to be okay with it not being everybody's cup of tea, not for everyone. Um, as authors, we have the wonderful world of using a pen name like mm-hmm. I do, you know, um, it's not that I keep my identity a secret in any shape or form, but it's more just the fact that um, I knew that if I was going to be publishing, I needed kind of that clean slate energy that it's okay if people want to come across and find me, they can then make that active choice of like, is this for me? Yes or no. And they can then choose whether they want to be in that world or not. Whereas I just felt like it never sat quite comfortably for me to publish under like a name where I'm just going to have that sort of groundswell of like friends and family and people who've known me from like high school and people who've known me mm. from university and you know they're not my audience they're not my people that I'm writing for and so why would I kind of just put it in front of those people to start off with when it's it's almost like the algorithm for life right that it's like those are not my people so I didn't want it to be in front of them um I was like no I'm gonna go over here and find the people who are my people and of course you can publish under you know any name you desire but um that for me was just a a mindset way for me to feel really confident it's a bit like um I don't know if you've ever read the book that's the alter ego book um I can't remember the guy's name Todd Todd Herman I think it is Mm -hmm. um and he talks about that with like examples of like Beyonce, you know, creating the the persona and the the stage name Sasha Fierce and things like that. You know that we sometimes have to allow ourselves to embody like a different identity from one that we were raised in or or have been living in right up until now. Like we can change at any moment in time. And um, yeah, it's it it can be a lot of fun to just create like a new new brand a new identity and allow yourself to sort of flourish under that in a way that maybe you weren't able to under an existing thing and the way I see it as well is that like we're all kind of doing it in the sense social media has given us that ability because we can set up a handle under any name we like on social media and no one bats an eyelid right like no one gives two shits like if you create like a name on Instagram and then start doing things under that um which is to all intents and purposes, creating a pen name and publishing something, you know, under that banner, like, um, and so we've, social media has really allowed us to do it in a way that we've never done before as like a society as, at large. Um, yeah, I definitely think- did that. And I did that unintentionally, which was funny back in yeah. I don't know, the 2000s or whatever. I had put my Instagram as Lola travels and I didn't even really travel at that point. Like, and then I became a like solo travel because <laughs> it's like I embodied it eventually and I was like yeah cool. so yeah. yeah definitely recommend um alter egos there <laughs> yeah and it's and it can be a lot of fun right like for some people it maybe is like might feel a little bit sticky or awkward and if that's the case then like you don't have to do it but I think it can be very very freeing for a lot of people to just create an identity that really allows them to shed the things that they've maybe like conditioning they've carried with them from from somewhere else and and just play in a new play in a new energy play in embodying something new and it doesn't mean you leave behind other parts of you if you don't desire but you know like I've got author friends who write under pen names and keep their identity secret not because they're ashamed of what they're writing about or whatever but they have like high-flying corporate careers Mm -hmm. and they're like I just genuinely cannot 
um, you know, have the two worlds do not like mix, right? Like I cannot be writing smutty romance under my name that I am practicing in this like very like, you know, high flying corporate field professionally. Mm -hmm. um, because like in today's society, like those two things are just not compatible. Um, but they would ideally love to eventually be in a situation where one day their author pen name is like the thing that they can be doing full time. And, you know, but until that point, they just keep their identity for that secret and they write under that name and, you know, right. do whatever they can for that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. always feel like that. I always feel like, you know, I need to kind of separate myself from my friends and family kind of thing. But that's what personal brands are too. But yeah. I feel like that's still too close for like yeah. writing a book. I don't know. Is it yeah. is it appropriate in the world of like, you know, personal development, et cetera, to use a pen name? Like, but also I don't even know if that would work because you don't have like, for example, your um, like expertise or whatever behind it because it's mm -hmm. a pen name. So you can't even really do it. But that. I, I think anything is possible. So a great example of this is, I don't know if you know, do you know Gala Darling? She does like the EFT tapping. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And like spiritual entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, so she is a fantastic example of this. Like she has published multiple books under Gala Darling. Like that has been her brand since she kind of came up on the scene in like spiritual self-development, um, tapping, mindset work, manifestation. Um, and her brand has evolved. Um, in terms of like how she represents herself like her she's very like hot pink hair you know like full full out like it's like Barbie come to life you know her world and like her branding mm -hmm. um, and she's all in on that um, and that is her her entire life and it's very integ in integrity with her but she had to create that name and that persona like that is not her real name like that is not her real like you know yeah. thing. um so again like I think you can be in those fields of um self-development spirituality like whatever whatever you desire um I think as long as it's in integrity with what you are embodying yourself that's the most important thing mm -hmm. um and you could write under any name you desire obviously it helps to have a community who know of you because that is ultimately what is going to sell your books like that's that's probably the thing to remember is that if you create like a completely unique identity to write under there has to be a way that people can still essentially find you and find your books and whether that is that you tell you know your community who maybe know you as one thing and say hey guys just letting you know I'm going to be writing under this name if you want come across you can join me like here or you can find my books here um yeah like I think I like that that's the beauty of self-publishing right is that you can experiment with it and you can you can see what is going to work best for you um I know again like we mentioned right at the start like I know authors who publish under several different pen names even within like the romance genre, like, a, you know, some people will publish under one name for like more like fantasy. Um, and then they've got another pen name for like dark romance. They've got mm -hmm. another one to say like small town, cozy, like, you know, rom-commy type stuff. Um, and they, they don't hide that they are the same person, but it just allows them to sort of embody that 
when they're writing that particular genre and then they've got this other sort of like, you know, alter ego for writing and promoting this particular genre and things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you find the promoting part of the book exhausting? Like it looks quite effortless to you, but I know that like book launches and stuff can be really. Yeah. Um, I think it, it definitely depends on the season you're in because book launches are a lot more work. Like it is a lot more intensive to be ramping up towards release day, essentially. Um, but it's probably no different to any other business where you know you've got something coming out into the world and you're building the hype and you're building the anticipation and it does genuinely need a bit more of your time and your focus and your energy. Mm. Um, I think for me... I have always found things like social media or marketing or whatever to come reasonably naturally, but also because I'm very much a person who I will always do things in the way that feels good for me. Like I, I will never try and take on board somebody else's like tick box of like, this is what I did. Like I'll always refine it to go, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do this. And I'll like, kind of like magpie mm-hmm. things from different places. And I'll look at something that somebody's on. I'm like, oh no, that's way too exhausting <laughs> for me. Like that's not for me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So I, energetically, I'll always make sure I'm doing things that feel like I can support it um, and that it supports me. Um, and that's what I think is the key to like looking at it like a marathon, not a sprint. Cause otherwise, I've, you know, I've been there and done that with the things that burnt me out. And I know like when I wasn't doing things in alignment for me. Um, and again, like when you when you love the thing you're talking about, it is very effortless to talk about it yeah. every day, more or less. And and that is that is what you have to be prepared to do. If you write a book, you have to be prepared to talk about it like every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like everything in business. These are the things yeah. that I've just figured out what you just said, like all oh, that's very wise of just, do it in your own alignment. Don't tick other people's boxes. Tick your own boxes. Like, yeah. Because be comfortable with sharing it. Yeah. It's yeah. Hard. I mean, while there are, while books are unique in that, yes, a lot of people will be word of mouth. They'll be recommending it on your behalf. Like that, which is a wonderful added bonus. Right. Um, and there are a lot of authors who just purely choose not to engage in the social media landscape at all. And they just basically are like no I'm not going to put any energy into that and that's totally cool as well um for me I genuinely like getting to know who my readers are and building my community and having that connection and having that sense of um deeper you know sort of conversations and things um and I and I do it as much as it's sort of scalable for me right like I can't obviously get into lengthy discussions with every single person or I'd be in my dms all day but um i do feel like a lot of readers particularly they understand that like they mm-hmm. would much they would much rather i took a week off social media to to write than you know like if anything they're the ones that will say like hey take all the time you want like we want the book you know so <laughs> yeah um that's really nice. yeah, they, they they're very um i've typically found like you know, readers are great for understanding that. And, and also, I don't know, maybe it's just my intention that I always put into my social media is that I don't invite kind of like boundary crossing in terms of like expecting me to reply straight away or anything like that. And like, I've got far more important things to be doing than living in my DMs. 
Yeah. yeah. When I started finding the people that were like, okay, when you continue a conversation in like three days, like those are your yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'm I'm classic for that person that you know you might hear from me like three days later or a week later, like it, it'll it'll come eventually. But like, you know, um put your phone down. Like the people yeah. that don't put their phone down on the weekend, etc. Or you know, sometimes yeah. those people worry me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially when again, like writing a book is not a quick process. So mm-hmm. if you are spending all day on social media rather than writing your book, like, you know, there's, there's, the, there's, the, there's the thing that you have to, you have to be disciplined enough to know when, okay, this is the period of time I'm going to focus and like pour my creativity into doing this and all that other stuff comes as like a bonus, right? Like that's, that's the kind of um, the thing that is, the fun stuff or the play stuff or the, you know, the bit that is going to help you get your books out into the world. Um, and there's ways you can do it smart as well. Like you, you, the community side of it is very beneficial for helping you to grow. You know, like there, there are a lot of people who are wonderful, especially within the romance reader community who love sharing about things on your behalf and sharing things mm-hmm. you know, to their stories and sharing it to their page and things so it's kind of a very unique um little like sub genre of the internet that I really enjoy because there's not a lot of other industries out there where people just genuinely are sharing so freely you know the things that you're creating or like the little teasers that you put out or you know the stupid little reel that you make like you know and people are like sharing it and and basically saying I love this book or you know um I can't wait to read this book and like that that's amazing it's a it's a huge blessing yeah that must feel really good I love sharing your stuff but (laughs) um I love that so where are you at with like what you're thinking for the future of your books and your journey Mm -hmm. so where I'm at at the moment as as we're recording this is that I am crawling across the finish line of um writing vicious cravings I've got kind of like half a dozen little like bits of the end of the book that just need a little bit more attention um to finish them up and wrap them up so by the end of this weekend it's Friday it's Friday today (laughs) it's Friday today by the end of the weekend is when I'm intending to have that finally wrapped and everything written so we are like you know, we, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We can see that that's um, nearly, nearly there. And then it's really into the process of um, just the refining and the polishing and getting it ready for when it will go to my wonderful, wonderful community of advanced readers who get basically their hands on it two weeks early um, before it releases at the end of August on the 31st of August. And they get to have that in exchange for you know, kind of sharing about it, testimonials, reviews, things like that, um, which is a really, again, a fantastic blessing of the internet and social media and Mm -hmm. these communities of um, book lovers and readers out there who are happy to do that in exchange. It really does help, especially in indie romance, that you can have, you know, a a fantastic team behind you who help to hype and promote your book um, in a way that just like exponential because you know if you've got say in exchange for a hundred copies of your ebook going out to you know maybe a hundred people if they're recommending it all to 10 people even like 
just exponentially grows and grows and grows. So it's super worth it. Yeah, it's really, really worth it and really, really awesome. Um, So that's kind of the immediate future is is that's what's very present in what I'm working on at the moment. And then um, before the end of the year, I've got the um, my other book, the next book after this Vicious Cravings, which will be the fifth one in the Nocturnal Hearts series is due to come out at the end of November. So that'll be my like last little one for the year um, coming out then. So, and that's going to be Rowan's book, which is, um, mm. he's one of the brothers um, that you okay. meet. First. You get a little, get a little peek at him. Get a little peek at him and in Darkness Waits Desire and then we see him a little bit more in um, The Queen's Temptation and he's one that is very much our um, heavily tattooed, mysterious, Mm. says two words, um, warrior sort of energy Um, and he's already got like quite a significant fan base even though he's said about two things in any of the books. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, like I'm on board. You said five words about what he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So his, his book's coming out at the end of the year. Um, So that's going to be a lot of fun um, to, to have that out in the world. Um, And beyond that, I don't have firm, firm plans at this stage for any dates or anything like that, but um, early 2024 is sort of when I am intending to put out a standalone that is going to be completely different to the nocturnal hearts world so this will be more like a contemporary still still paranormal like still bringing in um elements of that but set in like a modern day society mm. um kind of feel to it so I can't say any more than that at this stage like but yeah. um it's going to be fun to um play in that kind of contemporary society for a little bit because nocturnal hearts is very fun to world build and character build in a completely like unique um setting um but creatively you do need to kind of go away and like do some other things to allow like that to just have a bit of a rest you know like for for your brain like to to switch onto a different project for a little bit and um the next phase of nocturnal hearts beyond rowan's book is already kind of brewing like i already know the next books that are coming for for that with the various characters that we've kind of encountered who are going to get their book mm, that's exciting starting yeah. to picture like the game of thrones map where like we're having all these yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's kind of the energy of nocturnal hearts for anyone who you know is kind of wondering is that it's not a series with like a definite finish line like it's it's a world where you get these lots of standalone stories and at this stage like it really is kind of there are overarching things going on but I easily know there's like another 10 books in this series, you know, like kind of thing. So it is an ongoing thing that you can really just kind of get into and enjoy being in the world of um, without that sort of feeling, you know, some series will have a very finite timeline of like, there's only going to be four books or there's only going to be five books and then it finishes. Whereas Nocturnal Hearts is kind of an ongoing, Mm. ongoing thing to come and just dip in and out of. And yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Is this like your, what you think is going to be your business for now, forever or like ongoing, or is this like going to, are you going to have another business on the side or is this, does that make sense? Well, yeah, yeah. well, hopefully like everything, everything going to manifestation <laughs> plan. Um, 
yes, Elliot Rose is my, like, you know, my focus and, and what I would like, if, if I, if I get to leave a legacy in this world, like Elliot Rose and the, the works of Elliot Rose are what I would love to be, you know, kind of known for. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I do, do have other things like that I'm involved with and um, other projects that I kind of turn my hand to, like, I'm very involved. We have a family business and we're actually in the process of um, setting up a independent bookstore as part of that. So that's fun because that's been able to kind of bring in um, my world of being an author. And that's a sort of space where I want to be able to celebrate other indie romance authors, particularly, and also to be able to do more things along the lines of whether it's like writing workshops, whether it's helping other authors, whether it's bringing in some guest authors for like talks and things like that's something, you know, I love giving back to other people and supporting other people. Like that's always something I'm going to be involved with. So um, I'm excited about that to be able to kind of have that, have that brewing as well um, and coming. That's something that we're kind of targeting to have, um, like formally kind of up and running and open probably when are we thinking like September late September I think is when that's sort of happening so Mm -hmm. yeah there's always lots of lots of projects going on at the same time as writing (laughs) like real world stuff though like bringing your community into the real world that's going to be really cool like transition yeah yeah and I think you know readers readers genuinely are an incredible group of creatives themselves and there's a lot of readers who do enjoy um writing and and want to write and things so I love the idea of having a space where you can kind of foster that and cultivate that and in that real world way because you know online is is amazing um but I know myself I've benefited from things where I've been like in person at something and Mm -hmm. that has really um you know, been hugely, hugely um, expanding. Yeah. I love that. Um, So I always love to ask at the end of every episode is like, what is one piece of advice or inspiration you love to leave listeners with? Oh. We got like another hour. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, my, my piece of advice that I would love to share is if it is, tugging at you if it is nudging at you if it is something that has kind of repeatedly come into your field um no matter how crazy it might seem that like you don't know anyone who does this or um you have no one in your life who could kind of like explain to you like how to do it you know particularly in creative like pursuits or or things um, follow that nudge that you've got because it is something that you know when we keep saying like oh I'll put it off for one day when like we don't know what anything has in store for us right and um, nowadays particularly with creative things like we can do those things so easily or we can connect to you know resources so easily like I'll just use writing as the example because like that's what I'm doing that you know I didn't know anyone who's a writer I knew no one in the industry I had no contacts I had like nothing and the only thing I had was that I knew it was a thing I wanted to do and I'd always been called to do and um you know we we've got the internet and social media is an incredible resource to be able to go and find 
so many things, you know, and so whether it's writing, whether it's something else, whether it's creative, like, you know, even just exploring different creative ideas, like just, just give yourself permission to start exploring it and doing it. And, you know, if you want to write, start writing every day, like in some way, whether it's a journal, whether it's sitting down at your computer for half an hour, like that's the biggest thing is actually sitting down and doing it. There's a lot of people who say they want to write and, you know, might do it for one day and that's it. But the actual act of being a writer is writing every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's no two ways about it. You've got to do it every day and you might hate what you wrote. That's okay. You still sat down and wrote for a day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's great advice. I definitely feel that and resonate with that completely. Like mm -hmm. even even this podcast, for example, like I remember my partner telling his work, you know, he's in like a nine to five job <laughs> in the military yeah. actually, but, you know, going there and being like, she has a podcast and they're like, what do you mean she has a podcast? I don't know anyone who has a podcast, but you like in my world that seemed normal because yeah. I surrounded myself with those people but just not that long ago I didn't have those people in my world either so that didn't seem normal like really normalizing is really yeah. the key to just step yeah. in forward. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and just because you don't know someone in your day-to-day -day life yeah. who does that or has experienced that doesn't mean there's not a whole community out there that you can yeah. get and and sometimes it just is as simple as you know getting in someone's DMs and just starting up a conversation and, you know, be willing to sort of take that brave step of like reaching out. And yeah, something as simple as a podcast is like a really great way to oftentimes like meet the people that you really want to meet. Like that's why I have my podcast that interviews other authors. So I'm like, I want to sit and talk to other authors. So I'm going to have my podcast and I'm going to interview other indie authors and talk to them. Like, yeah. So it's a good gateway. And also, yeah, like just unlocking that similar interest that you have as well. And it doesn't yeah. have to look how everyone else does it too. Like my podcast is the most ca casual podcast in the world. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I, I had a friend yeah. listen to, he does a really, he's like scientist and he has a really formal one. He taught me how to do this and and like ours look completely different, but people enjoy both of them. So yeah. it doesn't have to be. And I think it's it's yeah. so relevant to who your audience is, right? That yeah. you know, people in your world want to listen to real conversations. They don't want like, you know, necessarily a really polished, like formal thing. They want to be able to sit down with their coffee or like plug in while they're going for a, a walk or, you know, at the gym or driving or whatever and just listen to people chat and yeah. like, that's very much my style as well. As well. Yeah. Like grab grab a coffee and come and listen to us talk like ramble about like swoony like romance characters for an hour, you know? <laughs> yeah. And even if they yeah. don't like it, I mean you'll turn on another one or yeah. Exactly. I don't know, like I'm still in exploratory phases. Like you can explore. And it yeah. it was what like we were talking about earlier. It really showed me that like it's not the end of the world to get in the arena, get in the ring and do it. Yeah. And, yeah. And I definitely evolve. Agree evolve and grow and like exactly. you know that's that's the thing right is that if we do something and then don't give ourselves permission to evolve and grow like that's where it could go mm -hmm. off the rails or pear shape but like being prepared to do it do it scared and evolve is like that's like the big metaphor for what we're all here for right like yeah. nature nature is that example of 
doing it and evolving and adapting and yeah yeah and that's why you'll never be ready I think because nature's always evolving or like the world around you is always throwing stuff at you exactly (laughs) yeah like we are never we are never ready and we are never perfect so you might as well just do it (laughs) yeah beautiful thank you so much that was such good advice and such a good story and hope people would love digging into this episode because I think we've yeah. had our own little world that we created in this episode yeah I thank you so much for having me it's been a lot of fun no problem thank you and yeah I'll see you in the DMs <laughs> yeah <laughs> bye thank you so much for being here I'm so freaking grateful to have shared the space with you today I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, I would absolutely love it if you joined me on Instagram. I'd love to connect in the DMs and chat all things transformation. Hear some of your stories, your journey. It would be so, so cool. It would also mean the world to me if you did just click the little follow bell on Spotify or head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review. With your help, we can help more people feel the incredible depths of transformation through stories and teaching shared here. And, you know, please remember, you can do anything you hear here too. It is not for just other people to do. You can do it too. Thank you so much, gorgeous soul. See you on the next episode.